Ah, hello, Graham. Hey, Matt. How you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you? It, pretty good. It's the summer. It's the sun's out. The it's out late. It's still pretty cold, though. It is pretty cold. It's like uh, mid sixties for our American listeners, or like, like mid mid teens. Yeah, mid teens for our Canadian listeners. So yeah, it's uh, still a little chilly. And it's June. Uh, so. Well, it'll be it'll be a cool summer of Nintendo, which is just just fine with me. I don't mind the coolness. So, playing some cool games. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's the plan. Mhm. So, Graham, I've got my joke here. Okay. It's a, it's a little bit political. Okay. <laughs> what do you get when you mix Luigi and Donald Trump? I'm not sure. Wall Luigi. <laughs> Wild oh Luigi. my goodness! <laughs> uh, that's actually pretty good. Uh, well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Velvet Room Review. Uh, my name is Matt. And I'm Graham. And this is our first episode in the Summer of Nintendo series for 2019. Um, and if you hadn't guessed or listened to the last episode, this week we're going to be talking about uh, 2017's Super Mario Odyssey for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the what the the newest release of a 3D Mario title since Galaxy 2. Uh, no, there was Super Mario 3D World. Oh, do we count Super Mario 3D Land? Do we count as those well? ones? Okay. Well, I get it's like they're kind of like in the middle. They're not. They lean a bit more towards like the new Super Mario Bros. style of games. Kind of like a co- combination of the two concepts. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, interesting. So this this is your second playthrough, is that right, Graham? Um, no, this was my first playthrough. Oh, this was your first playthrough. Mine as well. So we're coming with fresh eyes. Yeah. Um, okay, Graham, why, why don't you start? How did you like this game? I liked it a lot more than I um, kind of expected to going in. Okay, what were, you, what were your expectations? Well, I'd heard from, like, people that it wasn't quite as, like, magical, maybe, as some of the other ones, like Sunshine or Galaxy. Um, and, like, the, the core loop wasn't quite as satisfying. But I actually really enjoyed the the setup of it like how you're you're constantly collecting these little rewards um and like i found that the like the worlds were diverse enough and interesting to really kind of like capture my attention for as long as it needed to until the one next one okay so i actually i found it a really satisfying little journey okay um how about you um i don't know that i loved it Actually, sorry, I do know that. I did. I just like this game. Um, this is the only other Mario game, 3D Mario game that I played other than Galaxy. Um, okay. And I thought it was just okay. Um, I don't know if I can go into all those points right now. Um, I don't know if I can put my nose on it precisely. There were no bad sections of the game, but it left me feeling unsatisfied compared to Mario Galaxy. Well, that's too bad. Um, 
I mean, it was fun, and it, and it. I mean, again, it's a good game, but it, for me, I was I was hoping for something more, or or was at least expecting something more. Um, and it seems to me that I don't know from what I've heard, it's either you're on one end of the spectrum or the other, which is like where I'm at, where it was okay, and the other side where you where it was like the best one of the series yet. Yeah. So um, I think it's important to note though that. I, I think Super Mario Galaxy and Odyssey are quite different in, in just the general game layout. Galaxy is much more um, level-driven, individual level-driven, whereas Odyssey is much more open-world and yeah. exploration-driven. So, um, different concepts to start. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I felt like this adventure was kind of bland i found hmm. the world's kind of bland um i found the story kind of bland um yeah so it was just okay to me i mean i i i appreciate that it they have there's lots of things to collect but there's not like too many things you've got coins you've got world specific coins and you've got moons and that's it and there's a lot of all of them there's over 800 moons in the game which is incredible Mm-hmm. If you think of like, if you compare that to like Breath of the Wild, right? 900 Korok seeds, pretty similar to 800 moons, in my opinion. So um, definitely packed with a lot of content. And I can see maybe a younger me really reveling in this game and spending, you know, 20, 30 hours in it if I were, you know, a younger lad. So. Yeah. 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 No, I, I can... I can appreciate that point of view. Um, Like, looking back on it, I remember, like, I really enjoyed the experience, but there wasn't one specific moment that really stood out to me, or I didn't have any, like, specific memories of the game. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because of the bite-sized nature of it. You didn't have, like... um, You didn't have, like, moments from Galaxy where, like, you can remember all of the like the individual galaxies and they all have their individual personalities. Yeah. Um, like new donk city was actually probably one of my least favorite worlds. Really? Interesting. Um, because like I was kind of going into it expecting to have a bit more personality and it did like it had a good amount of personality, but I guess because I already knew what it was going to be going in, it didn't really surprise me. Mm. Um, yeah, I- I guess the thing for me is like, and and I should give this context here. I started Odyssey back in February, okay, and the date of this recording is May 29th. So I probably did the first 50, 60% in February, okay, and then did the last percentage over the past couple of weeks. Okay. And so, um, what I found was that once I had beat the game, right new moons unlock and all the old worlds. So I wanted to go back to the old worlds, re-experience them in preparation for this podcast. What I found was I had literally, and I'm not being like hyperbolic, I had forgotten that worlds existed in this game. Whereas I feel like if you put me to the test, I could probably name the majority of, or at least describe to you like the number of galaxy worlds that are memorable to me and the moments in galaxy those worlds are memorable whereas mm-hmm. like this one i had totally forgotten about like oh i should pull my switch because i don't <laughs> i barely remember them 
like there's Cloud Kingdom. Totally forgot about that one. There's a Wooded Kingdom that if mm-hmm. I had just looked at a photo, I wouldn't have known what that was. Um, and so maybe that's me just having played the game so differently apart. But even now, I find it hard thinking of like even five moments that really stood out to me as like being awesome. Yeah. So again, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be like it was terrible because it wasn't terrible. It's it's a fun game, um, fun mechanics. The capture mechanic is awesome. Yeah. Um, and I wish they would have maybe used it a little more to be honest, but. And the game feels really good to play. I don't know about you, but uh, I I I played it and then I think I went back to Galaxy or something around and galaxy felt so floaty and like imprecise. I found it really hard to go back to. See, I, I did want to go back to galaxy. I didn't have unfortunately the time to do it. Um, I don't know if I would agree though. Um, I, I wasn't able to do the galaxy comparison, but I found it really frustrating that so many of the controls were motion based and I specific and maybe this is user error. I specifically try to find out how to perform moves without using motion controls, and I was not able to do so. That's and, probably one of the biggest faults of the game. And so I I, I primarily played this in docked mode. Um, I, I never I never just use the Joy-Con separately, right? I always had it either in docked mode, or uh, like sorry, undocked mode, rather. Or um, with like a the controller that comes with the switch. Mm-hmm. So like there's that move you can do, and I I they never did the whole entire game where you throw Cappy and like but in midair you like jump to it and you bounce up again. Oh, I, okay. I see it in all like the like gameplay videos. I don't know how to do that. Hmm. I I ne- I don't know if I missed it. Uh, I tried looking it up. I. I, I could not tell you even the motion control on how to do that. See, I, I think that's kind of interesting because, like, um, for me going into it, I had watched already, like, a little bit of a speed run. Um, so I already knew about that technique going in. So, like, it's basically you just have to hold down the button for a little bit. And he and just that'll jumps enable you to. No, that'll enable you to jump on him. So... I was able to do it like on the ground where you throw him and then you run at him and you then you jump yeah. off of it. I just never can master it in the air. Yeah, you just like, hold you the button. You, you jump like what you can do is you can jump then throw the cap and hold it for a little bit and then dive and you'll dive onto the cap and bounce off again and then you can throw the cap and then you can dive again. What's the dive button? In the air, it's the, like, um, whatever the throw button is, I think, or okay. the Y button or something. I can't remember. Okay. Well, I must have missed the tutorial in that section. Um, I mean, the game does this thing where each time you go to a new world, they talk about a different move, um, and they do yeah. that literally up to the end of the game, which is interesting, but um, it was frustrating because, like, I had watched a lot of gameplay videos of it. Um, and like seeing people do these crazy moves and getting the distance and I, I just couldn't do it. So sounds to me like hmm. user error, but I always, I just assumed it had a motion control, um, function that I couldn't figure out. No, Cause it's actually like, I will fault the game because 
like coming from an accessibility standpoint it's frustrating that there's no there's you have to use the motion controls for a lot of the things um yeah or at least if you want to like have an improved experience you have to use the motion controls um but that's actually one of the few occasions where you don't have to use the motion controls (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) well after this podcast i'll try it out and see how much more i like it it's actually a lot of fun it makes (sighs) it makes traversal a lot more enjoyable i found and i think that's one of the things like coming off of something like galaxy there's so many more traversal options and options to um keep up your momentum in this I game think that's yeah in this game which right. i think is like i think that's one of the things that i like enjoy or appreciated about it the most because you can you can roll you can if you ground pound you can press the jump button immediately immediately after and it will yeah. um yeah. you'll jump or like all of these things or like after you long jump you keep running um all these things that help you keep moving and Mario just he feels so snappy and uh, I don't know that that's something that made the experience really enjoyable for me yeah that's cool I I, I for me I'm just gonna put this out there I don't think Nintendo's very good at controls um and okay in in particular like you mentioned like this felt much more precise than Galaxy um I don't know what it is about the Switch. Maybe it's my big fat thumbs, but nothing ever feels precise to me. I feel like the joystick is like, I don't know. Like, I I feel like I'm going up, but I'm really going upright or just right. I don't know. It's hurt me in in Ultimate a lot. It's hurt me in this game a few times where I've made jumps improperly. Maybe it's user error, but I mean, I play a lot of video games. I know how to use a controller properly, so... Yeah, I don't know, and I mean, I, the big thing for me is just the the motion control. I I don't mind that it's there. I think it's neat that it's there. Um, from what there was in Galaxy, I remember some really frustrating moments, but most of the motion control in Galaxy, if I'm remembering correctly, was very subtle and kind of like optional, like the collecting of the star bits by moving the motion controller. Um, so. Like you didn't necessarily need to do that. Um, this this time around, I felt like I need I needed to do these things, but I didn't necessarily know how to do them or feel like shaking the screen that I'm holding hmm. to like climb up something faster. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Another thing I kind of missed was like I didn't really feel like a lot of the enemies were Mario based. Like the the main antagonist. Uh, obviously it's bowser um and i like bowser in this game i thought he was kind of neat and funny but like his henchmen are these bunny characters which maybe i'm being silly that i don't like that they introduce new characters but like i don't know why they didn't just use bowser's kids Hmm. it just seemed odd to me um a lot of the enemies are new designs which again is not necessarily a bad thing but i uh they also do the thing where, oh, the Koopas are not really enemies anymore. Like, they are minigame based. Um, yeah. Which is like, again, not like an issue, but it's like you have these standard enemies 
that you everybody knows I should kill that thing or I should jump on that thing's head. Um, so, but that being said, it was fun to like control Goombas and control the Lack Lakitu's. Um, the Hammerhead Bros are pretty cool. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. Um, just one thing that's kind of interesting, uh, regarding your, like, thoughts on the, the types of enemies, I have the exact opposite opinion. Okay. Um, because I absolutely loved that there were almost no, like, there were almost all original enemies, because... For the past, ever since New Super Mario Bros. Wii, it has been the exact same set of enemies for every single game. Mm. Like the Koopalings are always the the boss at the end of an area. Um, like the like that's how it was in like Mario World and like all, all of these games that the Koopalings were there and like um, it was only your Koopas and your goombas and all of like the traditional enemies there were there were some new enemies but i actually really appreciated that hmm. they went and they did something completely different i i the bunnies weren't the most interesting per se but like i still appreciated that they didn't just use the same ones yeah and and, and i wonder if that's kind of like i it sounds like ram like you're a you you are experienced in this series of games yeah. Right, you've played a lot of the Mario games. Where I am more, like a casual Mario player. Like, I think I played a little bit of New Super Mario Bros. Yeah. I, I had Super Luigi Bros. Um, so it's not like I play Mario games all the time. So to me, it's like I guess I was looking for old reliable. Yeah, an element of the familiar. Yeah, which um, I didn't really feel like this this game had. Um, that's interesting though yeah so and and like i don't necessarily care that oh we're going to like a metro city and there's all these humans here or hey this world's got a dinosaur and now you could be a dinosaur um but it just it all felt a little bit disjointed to me um i didn't really feel like the worlds were that open well there was no sense of like cohesion or connectedness really between the worlds yeah yeah, actually, there's um, there's a really great article, um, written by the guy who, um, created uh, what remains of Edith Finch. Okay. That really summarizes what I feel, or or some. It really helped me focus, I guess, my thoughts a little bit better. Um, okay. I can read this. I'll read the last section of the article for you. Um, so Super Mario Odyssey and What Remains of Edith Finch are both intentionally a little disorienting. Their game's about discovery, so the temptation as creators is to constantly throw new things at the players, which tends to fight any sense of cohesion. A painful and surprising lesson we learned making Edith Finch is that you can't ignore continuity. Players bring it with them. We had wanted our short stories to stand apart, but players kept looking for the connections between them. Players mm. intuitively see games as, I think this is a typo, contiguous experiences. I think it's supposed to be continuous. No, Contiguous is a word. Okay, thank you. I don't know why. Uh, luckily, it doesn't take much. With just a few shared references, players create their own connections. A game doesn't need a profound statement. It just needs to create a space that encourages players to think about something long enough to reach their own conclusions. 
Super Mario Odyssey is a game of many wonderful little ideas and no big one. Nintendo is famous for polishing the small details, but nobody seems to be thinking much yet about what those details could add up to. None of this ruins the fun of finding new playable creatures or new obstacles to traverse, but it does mean that when you reach the end, those fragments are all you're left with. Some nice moments, but no feeling that this odyssey actually led somewhere. That's really good. That last paragraph in particular is kind of what I feel. It's like all these little cool moments of like playing as uh, the Bull Bill or the Chain Chomp or the 2D sections um, or even like the the matching minigame, which is <laughs> fun but frustrating when you lose by one point. Like all these little moments that were kind of fun, but like overall it didn't add up. So that's, that's an article from uh, Polygon by... What's his name here? Ian Dallas. Okay. So. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, so. I think the most memorable world for me was probably like the the Japan-themed one. Oh, that one was awesome, actually. (laughs) That was my... I think because it, like, everything was cohesive in that one. Yeah, well, it was like, this is Bowser's castle, but in a way we've never seen it before. So I thought that was pretty cool. And, like, uh, like, maybe maybe i was expecting something a bit more wild but like there's like what what um i should just go pull up my switch it's like oh here's a world with a mountain and some trees here's oh the seaside kingdom there's the wooded kingdom here's the desert kingdom here's the snow kingdom uh yeah they were very like primal elements kind of stuff a lot of a lot of bland ones and then some like really colorful ones that i still felt bland like luncheon kingdom sounds really interesting but to me like i don't know what about the colors just a lava world yeah basically yeah essentially it felt very similar to like the desert world um artistically or aesthetically because like this uh, this uh desert world had like lots of bright um flamboyant colors as the luncheon world so they felt pretty similar to me in that sense Mm. um i think my favorite worlds are probably like fallen kingdom uh badger's castle the mushroom kingdom at the very end and the moon kingdom uh moon kingdom because of the changing gravity Mm. yeah i really like that that section so um i like i like that cappy is a character Whereas yeah, that was nice. Luma was nothing, so. Yeah. Oh, you should uh, should play Galaxy Two at some point. The <laughs> next summer. <laughs> next summer, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> um, there's a pretty funny like companion. Well, I don't think he really has much of a personality, but you've got a like a kind of companion character that's mm. pretty fun. Cool. Yeah. Again, I'm not trying to be overly critical i've just i i guess i'm right now trying to work through what my thoughts are actually on the game so um again it's from a technical standpoint it's a good game like i can't think of aside from the control issues i had with it of any negatives yeah so yeah you know but i think it's it's one of those things where like you like the article talks about how it's a lot of good stuff but then nothing really um you don't really have a full experience to take away from it yeah like like the, the plot is basically oh bowser's kidnapped 
Princess Peach, and he's going to force her to marry him, which is an interesting plot for a 2017 game, but we'll get past that. Um, and then each isn't the first time that they've done it too. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, uh, but then each world that you go to, like there's a new, there's some component that Bowser has stolen for the wedding. Right. Um, but then you just go and you beat Bowser up and that's it. You know, we, one game just, I know it's side tangent, but for sure, one game we should play at some point is super paper Mario. Ah, I've heard it's on our list. It was one of our summer of Nintendo options. So okay. I'm, I'm very interested in it. A good friend of mine. That's like his, he rants about that game like crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, because that's more like RPG, right? It's um, it's more action RPG. Okay. Uh, like the Paper Mario games, as a whole, are more RPG, like um, Paper Mario N sixty four and the Thousand Year Door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Super Paper Mario is more of an action based, but it has a really interesting, from what I remember, story. Um, a really interesting story hmm. that's very um well the, the paper mario games in general have a kind of a non-traditional as far as mario goes story but they're much better for it hmm. um interesting. in my opinion at least yeah um other things i i liked the bo- i like the bowser boss battle i like punching them i thought that was very satisfying mm-hmm. um I like the balloon world section or the, yes, that, that, that was a lot of fun. Oh man. Even though I wasn't good at traversing, uh, it was still fun. That, I spent a lot more time on that than I expected to. Yeah. I, I, I honestly feel I didn't do it enough. I didn't play it enough to justify, but from what I did play, it was fun. So mm-hmm. it, it's an, it's a neat little thing to put into your game. Um, that really brings like this competitiveness <laughs> to a kid's game. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And it really helps kind of like helps you to really understand the character of each world and like the nooks and crannies. Yeah. Which I appreciated. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And even like, it's not even like, oh, I, I discovered this place because I found this balloon, which is totally possible. But it could be even like um, you are looking for the best place to put your moon and you find something really amazing. Or it's like, how did that guy get that balloon all the way over there? How am I going to get there? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's it's really interesting because it's, it's like almost this game of like... Um, horse like in basketball where it's like you have to copy what the person before you did kind of yeah maybe or you can get your own make your own way there so it's it's kind of like pushing the players to the limits of uh, of the game which i think is pretty neat mm-hmm. uh oh i loved the outfits those were really really fun um i love the variety i love there's there's a lot of different outfits you can wear, um, and they're all really well, not all really amazing, personal preference, but there's a lot of fun ones uh, in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're. I don't know. It was nice to kind of mix it up every once in a while. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
and it's not like they're super well some are super expensive but most of them are like 100 150 coins which you yeah. easily can get that no problem so it's or it's like world specific uh um costumes um like the samurai costume was really cool yeah it was a bit more expensive but yeah yeah and then you even like open up some additional costumes once you beat the game like the skeleton one um or like there's the the mario 64 one which gives you like mario's mario 64 model that's really funny it's pretty it's pretty cool (laughs) that is pretty cool how how long would you say it took you to beat this game graham um i'd have to check i think the my first like the playthrough of it took about 15 hours of like the whole game yeah and then i probably played an additional five or so just finding moons and playing balloons i think i ended up with like 400 500 moons by the end okay so um you put i think you played much more than i did i feel like i put maybe 15 hours into this game total i think that's probably a little high i felt like i completed the main story super fast like under eight hours fast but i guess that's hard for me to quantify because i played it so far apart i I could be misremembering um Mm -hmm. but it felt really short to me comparatively to mario galaxy which again like i don't know that that's an a bad thing it was just something i was not expecting for the adventure to be over that soon um mario galaxy is a much slower paced game very true very true um more leisurely paced what what do you unlock after getting to 250 moons so it unlocks um the dark world is that the the dark side of the moon is that like that super hard level because i saw let's play on that so yeah, the first thing you unlock is a boss rush. Oh, um, interesting. And um, then the next thing you unlock is that that super hard level that I tried a few times to beat, but I didn't beat. So do you have to get more moons? Really do you have to get more moons to get to that? I think that's at five hundred moons. Ah, okay, interesting. See, I do like that they have those that additional content locked behind, not necessarily like a stupid, ridiculous amount of moons. But like you gotta work at that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that's I find that pretty cool. The the like pamphlet brochures for each world. Oh, those are cool. What a beautiful like little like that little extra bit of work that they put into it to really make the the worlds I guess kind of feel more alive and um, I thought that was really cool. I liked that they listed how many moons were in each world. You know, um, helped you to keep track of what you were doing so mm-hmm. yeah um i like the the portraits in mushroom kingdom even though i haven't played mario 64 i'm like oh, i know this <laughs> yeah you still you get it yeah yeah um i like for the majority i like most of the boss battles i can't think of any that really stood out to me as being like annoying or silly a lot of them are actually i find are pretty memorable the one the soup pot uh sticks out to me um mm-hmm. The one where the um, rabbits kind of like form like a robot. Not really a robot. Maybe we're like a robot. Yeah. At the very end there. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, The dragon. Yeah, the dragon was cool. I wish you could have controlled the dragon. 
Like, I went back after I beat the game and tried to, like, throw my cap on him, but hmm. I couldn't do it. Very well, out of nowhere. kind of funny. Very out of nowhere. For Yeah, the game had a lot of weird, like, realistic kind of elements to it. And, and you know what's so interesting? Like, I said in, in the Mario Galaxy review, it's like, you could put Mario in anything and it would fit. And I don't know if I believe that anymore. <laughs> it hmm. it just seemed it seems like the dinosaur. Um, I suppose so. I mean, like even New Donk City, it's like I guess I don't know. It's just it did feel like he felt out of place a little bit. Um, mostly with the dragon, because the dragon felt to me like I I couldn't help but think of like Kingdom Hearts. Because hmm. you I think you fight yeah you fight Melissa Melissa. Maleficent. Thank you. At the very end of the game, and then you fight the big black demon guy, and it's like it, it kind of felt like that to me, where it's like, even though that's very cartoony, it felt very like medieval f- fantasy. Mm. Um, but you're just this cartoon plumber. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why it it felt so different to me. The dinosaur is a great example. Even even like the different. Um, I guess like little cities that they they introduced like with uh, were they skeletons in the desert world? Yes. And like the mermaids, it's like I never really felt like I fitted anywhere there. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know why why that is, and maybe that's intentional, right? Because you're it's a trip spanning the globe, but um, yeah, it is interesting, kind of, that there's no place in the Mario universe where there are his kind of people. Well, that's just it. But Peach is Peach is like him. Yeah. So it's like him, Peach, Luigi. Um. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I I like Mushroom Kingdom. I like when they. I don't know. I. I just her, Peach's castle to me is so, like, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like iconic. Iconic. Even though, again, I've never played Mario 64, it's like, you, I see it, and I know what it is. And it's like, it's this really cool experience, so. Maybe it's just because they're all the Toads, and Toad's my favorite Mario character, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any other comments, Graham? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think we've, I think we've pretty well covered it. I think so. Again, um... I like the game, and I would say definitely play it. it yeah. It. Um. I think it's one of those games that need that that you need to play if you own a Switch. Um. Because I do think I think it switches things up for the franchise in particular. Perhaps not in ways that I like entirely. Not that I'm a big Mario franchise guy, clearly. Um. But I think that it's at least good that they're trying something different. Um, mm-hmm. and they're trying to do things different. Um, so I can't recommend that enough. Um, and I applaud them for taking that leap, if you will. Um, yeah, so I would probably give this game like a Yosuke. Okay. Uh, just cause it kind of feels safe and comfortable, but not all that memorable. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking kind of like Risei. Okay. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly because some... Um, <laughs> uh, I was thinking like I like Risei and like, like I like, 
like Reese's character, but I can't remember exactly why at the moment. <laughs> um, like I can't remember any like specific standout moments. Yeah, that's that's mostly it at the moment. I'm mostly just remember Reese hitting on you. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the main thing that I can remember. <laughs> and when I think about Mario, that's exactly what I think of. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, it was definitely a fun experience for sure. Um, so I look forward to seeing, you know, where they where they go next. Again, it like like Galaxy, it made me really want to go back and play the other titles. Hmm. Um, Galaxy Two is given, but like even and Mario sixty four, um, and even Sun Sunshine, which from what I've seen from just gameplay, it, it looks completely different. Than anything else that I've played with. Yeah, Mario. Sunshine is very different. So I think that's pretty cool, but um, yeah, and maybe, and maybe what it just is coming down to for me is that, to me, I I just find Mario in my brain is like select levels. You know, you enter this world, you complete the world, you go to the next one, and that this open worldness didn't necessarily quite work for me. Okay. Um, yeah, I I if I could probably nail it down to anything, that's what it would be. Um, so whereas like I look at a game like Breath of the Wild, sorry I'm kind of going on a tangent, where it's like it's this amazing open world game that you could like play for a hundred hours and still be finding things, but. I feel like that game in particular failed, if I if I can say that, on delivering like the main missions or content or dungeons or what have you. Um, it was littered with all these extra things that made it amazing and memorable, but the main things that the player would or should focus on wasn't really there. And so I feel like for both those like blockbuster titles that people are in love with and they think of revitalized the franchise i can totally see that viewpoint um i just think that there has to or there should be some sort of happy medium maybe hmm. so and i'm and again i haven't played mario 64 so from what i gather um i'm it's like the castle is the hub world and then you enter in the individual miss- missions is that right mm-hmm. um yeah. which me that that's that makes sense like that that adds up where you've got a healthy balance between the two so yeah in terms of like open world mario games um and like the openness of the world i'd say that like um odyssey is on like the the most open world end of the scale and then i would say like mario galaxy 2 is the most linear level based one hmm of of them interesting and then like mario 64 is a bit more on the level based side and sunshine's a bit more on the the hub world or the like open world base side yeah yeah and maybe like when i think of open world i just think really vast and i don't i don't think i would describe mario's level odyssey's like worlds as vast okay yeah no they're they're very contained but but still packed with content, right? And I and I yeah. can't give them enough credit for that for sure. So, lot like most of the mini games were fun, entertaining. 
you know, and they never got boring, I would say. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, what's next? Pokemon. Yeah. Oh, boy. Have you started Pokemon yet, Grant? I have. Okay. That'll be an episode. Yeah. 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 I don't have enough data to form a solid opinion <laughs> on it yet. You know, I got another tangent. I apologize. I know we're trying to wrap up. I was playing Twilight Princess earlier this week. Um, and I was thinking to myself, man, Zelda is like is a 30-year-old franchise now. And mm-hmm. I asked myself, when is this going to end? And will it? I'm, I'm like, like in 30 years from now, will we still be playing Legend of Zelda games? It's a good question because you think like the people on the project, I know that like a lot of the devs are newer, um, but like the, the, the director and stuff, like that's still what, Eiji Aonuma? I, I feel like for most of the Nintendo games, like the the main guy's still around. <laughs> um, yeah. Or at least has been associated with like the team, the development team for decades almost. Miyamoto. Yeah. Um, Kondo. Yeah, like, because it, it's, it, it's so interesting. Like, because, I mean, video game, me, the medium is so young, right? Comparatively. Yep. Um, so you look at like, like a like a story like the jungle book or like aladdin which you know are like novels from what 200 years ago and like they're still pretty prominent in our society because they've been recreated and made into films and all that so it's like at one point is it does it ever stop or will we always be getting because i can't see them actually i don't think that they will stop i because they make something like sherlock holmes yeah that's a great example like that's been around since the late eighteen hundreds. Yeah. So like, and it's just been in the public consciousness for a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's something that especially like Mario, and maybe Zelda, have that potential. Um, uh, Mar- Pikachu, Mario, and Pokemon, absolutely. And and with Pokemon, it's like they have the problem that they keep having to introduce more Pokemon. With Mario, yeah. and, and, and in a sense, Legend of Zelda, it's like, you can do something new and then just drop it when you make the next one. So it's constantly almost kind of fresh, or you can constantly do new things. Whereas like with Pokemon, they have this, maybe this is a bad term, baggage of 900 Pokemon that they keep having to bring forward. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I mean like, Mario and Pokemon are the, what, the, the biggest generators of profit in all video games or in terms of dollars, like the biggest franchises. So they're probably up there. I, I, I know Pokemon is for certain. Now there are a lot of other components to Pokemon as well. Anime card game, etc., etc. So, um, but like, I think Nintendo in particular, I'm thinking of because it is the forerunner almost, if you will, of like these franchises, like Halo is not that old. Um, what's another good non-Nintendo franchise? God of War is not that old. Like Uncharted. Un- yeah, these are relatively young comparatively. Um, like even like Doom. 
Doom would probably be another good one. Um, um. <laughs> uh, Elder Scrolls? Yeah. Um, well, it's also in, like Nintendo is a weird, in a weird position where um, like most companies have one, maybe two IPs that they really like they're known for per se. Um, maybe three, like depending on the bigger, the bigger companies have more. Yeah. But like Nintendo has like 12, 15 different strong IPs. And I would wager that it's because they are, for the most part, consistently quality titles. I feel like many of the, like Microsoft or Sony IPs, um, don't often get past a third iteration because either the quality dips or they're looking to introduce something new. Um, I think maybe Sony's like longest standing would be Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. Um, as far as like consistency in titles and and longevity, but like well, that's even like that's a third party game too. Um, what's well, yeah? It's not developed by Sony, but it's not on any other consoles, is it? No. Yeah. Uh, there might have been like a. Possibly. Yeah. I I think that was mostly Sony. Yeah, I don't. But um, I don't think it's ever been on another console. But, but like I think of like a lot of IPs from like the PS3 era, right? Um. Infamous. Inf- infamous. Uh, Resistance was one I was a big fan of. Um, Uncharted to an extent. Um, Warhawk and God of War. Starhawk. I mean, God of War's kind of had a revival recently. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens with it. But, um, you know, like Nathan Drake, he's done. There's gonna be. There's not going to be another Nathan Drake game. Yeah. After Uncharted 4. Um, and so... But... These these Nintendo titles don't have that um, barrier, I guess, because they the characters are timeless. They're ageless. They'll never yeah. get old and weary, right? So, I think that might even be a product of like the era that it came from, where like the characters are these kind of simple designs. They're like templates that um, that can be reshaped and reformed. Whereas something like Nathan Drake is a very solid identity. Mm-hmm. Even Kratos, like they did, they managed to change him up pretty well, but he's still Kratos. Yeah. Well, I think I think you make a good point that the simplicity of the design is so important for like a character mascot, right? I think like there are a lot of like. I think of like Final Fantasy or like Chrono Trigger or those types of games where the character design is a little bit more like detailed and kind of odd and strange. And it's like, I couldn't tell you, aside from maybe Cloud, who's a Final Fantasy character and who's not. Um, But anybody can pick out Mario. Anybody can pick out a Pokemon, in theory. Um, Anyone can pick out, if they know about him, like Kratos. Kratos, he's a got white ash skin with a big red tattoo and he's mad yeah <laughs> and master chief master chief's just a guy in green armor who's tall yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah we'll see yeah and it's interesting i guess i guess doom would be the only third party i'm trying to think of like third party games that have really have stuck around stuck around um, 
I mean, Warcraft? Elder Scrolls goes back pretty far, actually. Yeah, like Elder Scrolls and Warcraft, maybe? Starcraft? The Warcraft, like Blizzard, Blizzard IP. Yeah. Um, uh, I know that there's others. Um, a lot of them are Nintendo. Um, Sonic. Oh, that's a good one. That's probably like, the best one, to be honest. He's one of those characters that, regardless of how good or bad <laughs> his content is, uh, um, regardless of how his content is received, he never seems to die. Um, which you know, good or bad. Um, I yeah. honestly, I think that is a testament to um, a good character design, and I don't really. I, I don't have the stats for this, but I think Sonic sells well because parents recognize Sonic. Could be, yeah. Um, I mean, he does have a lot of stuff for children nowadays. Yeah. Like, there was a Sonic Boom TV show and stuff. Well, I have no idea how those did. I, as far as I'm aware, they did pretty well. And, yeah, like, Sonic has had lots of ups and downs, but the thing that's remained con- constant is he's a blue hedgehog, like... Yeah, that goes fast. That goes fast. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I think that's what makes Mario so powerful and probably what Mario has sustained so long because, you know, when I was, if I, yeah, if I was a kid in the 80s, going into the 90s, my mom or dad knew I like Mario. Now, 20 years later, I'm an adult. My kids like Mario because I like Mario. And so it's like, it's almost this generational thing now that it's being passed along to younger children and that will, that would just perpetuate. Yeah. So kids, uh, kids sell, they make a lot of commercial decisions. <laughs> hmm. So, well, I mean, I'm looking at my bookcase right now and I've got a whole bookcase devoted to Pokemon manga, Yu-Gi-Oh manga. I got some persona mangas in there, mass effect books, Ooh. like just these things that, you know, people like, so people buy things they like so Mm -hmm. yeah well that was a 15 minute tangent Uh, yeah yeah but it was fun kudos nintendo they do uh they do good with their games Mm -hmm. for the most part i can't really think of a bad one in recent memory there are mediocre games but there are very rarely bad games yeah yeah for sure the japanese know how to make video games <laughs> i mean that in a good way they they do a good job so yeah well thank you everybody for listening um we'll be back next week with pokemon let's go um which i'm excited to talk about so um otherwise uh if you liked the episode let us know uh we're located wherever you get your podcasts itunes google play spotify uh give us a subscribe so you don't miss an episode we do release every two weeks uh on monday around eight o'clock p.m uh just to get you through your mondays we hope it helps um yeah so shoot us a comment shoot us a like on facebook smash that like button and we'll see you in two weeks with uh more summer of nintendo all right see you then